0: Welcome to this Future Net Zero podcast. We've got a new series for you. Um, it's a series looking not just at um, the net zero future, but really the planet as itself. You know, obviously, with what's gone on with the coronavirus crisis, we've had a real look at where the planet is. Many of us around the world have seen things we hadn't seen for e- for years. You know, sparrows in my front garden, for one. The Himalayas in certain parts of India, fish returning to the rivers of of venice and of course the change in pollution so this series is called gaia says no yes i know awful topic awful tone and i'm not a big fan of little Britain either but it is an interesting point gaia the concept is that the planet is a living thing um, gaia was a i think a greek goddess and the idea is that gaia is a self-sustaining system which is always in balance and have we humans clearly as we've seen over the last hundred years, put that system out of kilter. And so this podcast is a series where we'll be looking at energy, we'll be looking at technology, we'll be looking at politics, we'll be looking at the environment and we'll be looking at something that's called the biosphere. Now I am obviously uh, here to to host this but really just to cause mischief. Uh, I've got two uh, colleagues who've become friends who are far more the ones that will be bringing in the um, intellectual dinosaurs that will roam across the, these plains. So uh, I'll, I'll get them to introduce themselves. First of all, Angus Forbes. Angus, do you want to say hello to everyone?
1: Yeah, hi, Sumit, and hi, everybody. My name's Angus Forbes. I am um, an Australian born Brit and ex uh, city. And in the last 10 years, I've spent more of my time in the environment. I founded a um, not-for-profit called Bankers Without Boundaries, and that even was bank-
0: that was Bankers with a B, wasn't it, mate?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you did say you were here for mischief, and you're straight on cue. Well done, Simon. <laughs> and um, and then even more recently than that, I founded um, a group of volunteers called Global Planet Authority, which advocates um, global biophysical boundaries for the biosphere.
0: And your, your concept really is about um, protecting Mother Earth in, in a simple nutshell, isn't it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. It, that's exactly right. Um, humanity, we contend that humanity is now so strong that we have actually got into the driving seat with Mother Nature. So yeah. we, have to, we have to recognize that and um, internalize it as a race in a way. And so let's put in a set of boundaries that everybody understands so that the mother nature continues doing what she does best, which is uh, self-regulate, as you alluded to with Gaia theory. And fortunately for us humans, provide us an extraordinary range of ecosystem services. And we need to ensure that those ecosystem services continue to be provided in a thousand years time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also, starting with an A, is Alex, Alex Millwood. Alex, do you want to say hello to the audience?
2: Hello everyone, and uh, thank you for having us uh, summit here on Future Net Zero, setting a good good goal and aspiration for everyone. And I've been working in the energy industry uh, for the last 20 years. Uh work in another pariah industry of consulting, which is uh, <laughs> often much derided, um, but has the advantage of having worked across many parts of the energy spectrum from oil and gas, the utilities and also government and consumption, and also different countries as well. So it's, it's given me a, a good perspective. Uh, the energy trilemma is um, what we used to talk about, affordable available and clean energy and and achieving that balance. Uh, I guess if I was honest with myself I sort of blasted much more on the the affordable and getting the cost of energy down and and driving the traditional sort of economic factors but in in the last five years I'd say I've been listening much more to the climate science of what's happening Um, and my conviction in our ability to deliver all three dimensions uh, and you know the life-enhancing quality of energy as well as uh, sustaining the planet um, has has mellowed somewhat and so on sort of adding my voice to the to the many voices that are out there to uh, to get to that future net zero as quickly as possible.
0: Brilliant so um, the way it'll work ladies and gents is we're just gonna have a chat aren't we the three of us really I mean I suppose we're, we're planning a series and, and, and I think the best thing to do is to say where are, where are we right now? Where are we as a planet? So uh, I got the name slightly wrong. It's Lovelock, I think it was, James Lovelock, the Gaia theory. Let's start with that before we, 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 we go into a kind of little bit about ourselves. But Angus, do you believe in the Gaia theory?
1: I think it's intuitively sensible for those of us who are not, you know, ecosystem scientists that we are informed that the planet self-regulates, um, we, you can sort of see it, can't you, around, you know, we learned at school, didn't we, that, you know, the, there's evaporation of the ocean, the clouds form, it comes across the land, it, it, there's rainfall, the water goes into the rivers, it goes out to the sea. So you, you see natural, uh, localised, regionalized systems, and you can imagine, That that would operate for the whole Earth. So yeah, I think it's. I'm the scientists say it's right. The study of the biosphere of Earth systems is so much more advanced now, and that that thought of Gaia is is still central to what the scientists think.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's some people poo poo it, and you know it's not been proved in any way, shape, or form. But there is something about a balance that. I think most of us kind of can probably see with our own eyes by just looking around what's happened the last few weeks. Mm. I mean, you know, seeing things coming back. All the idea that actually everything has been killed off by us, well, uh, you know, simple London sparrows that if, if you know London, um, it's the Cockney Sparrow has been a symbol of it. Well, for many years in London, we haven't seen any, and here they are thriving everywhere. It's, it's quite, quite interesting to see that actually nature can bounce back quite quickly.
1: Certainly, that's you're right, Summit. That's been a message as well from our scientists. Give nature a chance, and it will and it will bounce back. One well, still has to be very cognizant of the fact that the northern white rhino will not bounce back. Yeah, absolutely extinct. Um, but given half a chance, it will bounce. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What about you, Alex? You're someone who lives in the the realities of the oil and gas industry. Is this all kind of mumbo-jumbo, the Gaia concept?
2: No, I, I think um, it, the, the world will continue. Human existence might not if it becomes an uninhabitable planet, uh, either through natural or human-made means. Um, you know, as, as a consultant, I guess I recognise there's many balances, many perspectives, many truths, and, and trying to find an absolute truth that everyone agrees with yeah. is really difficult. Um, and there are papers by eminent scientists which also uh, refute the claim that human activity is driving uh, the increased carbon um, uh, parts per million in the planet and that this is just the natural cycle of the planet going through its natural climatic change. Um, my, my personal view is, you know, given that the hunt for absolute truth is very difficult. I'd rather err on the side of caution uh, and if I'm wrong and that humans aren't driving this degree of change then you know happily admit it uh, when that's absolutely proven to be wrong but uh, and I'd I'd rather not be wrong on the other side once it's too late if if we do get past a tipping point in the next 10 years where it's irrecoverable and uh, the global warming and the climatic change means that the planet is no longer inhabitable by humans and, and most, uh, you know, animals within it. So that, that's kind of where I'm placing my bet. You can never be 100% right, so I'd rather err on that side of the equation than the other.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to make a terrible confession to everyone here. I don't actually believe in man-made climate change, right? And uh, I can I can hear the 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 podcasters out there, the 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 radio's going off. I tell you why I believe, because I I, I I do read a lot about geology. I'm a bit of a weird nerd, I mean, even though i I had had an interest in sort of paleontology and stuff like that. And reading certain books about how poisonous the earth was, and how long it takes, and the fact that actually during its four and a half billion years, you know, we've only had ice caps for about sort of two hundred, three hundred million of them. So, you know. I'm, I'm a real big believer that we are absolutely destroying the Earth. I think we're polluting it, we're overfishing, we're taking elements that shouldn't be out of the ground, putting them out into the ground, taking out lithium, taking out iron cable, all the stuff that we're doing. And I believe we really have, because I grew up in the 70s, pollution was the big thing, there wasn't any stuff about climate change. And I also think that what we've seen with COVID is that actually, if we weren't here anyway, the planet would sort itself out. So man-made climate change, I don't really believe in it. Man-made destruction of the planet, I totally do believe in it. Um, And so that's where I sit on this thing. And, And I know that, you know, the idea of that sounds heretic at times, but, you know, if you look at it, maybe the planet could just sort itself out if we weren't here. I I
2: think you can do that and and I think um, so that the challenge is how can we have high quality livelihood for all humans everywhere uh, as well as all animal species continue to inhabit this planet so this planet is inhabitable and so even if we aren't causing you know the climatic changes I, I tend to have faith in humans ability a to survive and b to innovate and I think it's able to repair the planet and do the actions necessary to help repair the planets, as Angus said, sort of a co-pilot with Mother Nature, and set this on a course whereby we can have high-quality standard of living everywhere, and we can continue to have it, the planet. Humankind has the ability to, to fix both dimensions.
0: Angus, am I a heretic? Um, no. um we know and yes i
1: think i think simit um what what's important here is it doesn't matter what you think yes
0: and lots of people would say that mate
1: uh and it doesn't really matter what alex and i think either no what is clear i think from our scientists is saying that the human race is so strong that we can have an influence over all of Earth's systems. So if we just come to the troposphere, which is that band uh, ranging from about 2,000 metres up to 15,000 metres of of atmosphere, it's the troposphere where our CO2 gas is trapped along with water vapour and other things, which, you know, warms the planet like the light duvet. You cannot really dispute that from the end of the last ice age until 1750, that there were 280 parts per million of carbon dioxide and that we have taken that up to 415. So we have degraded that. Now, whether that is, you know, bigger than the than Earth's natural systems, the solar radiation flares, the, you know, and all of the things that occurred yeah. in the last... Yeah, absolutely. Years, it, doesn't, ...it doesn't really matter that your view differs from mine. Yes. What I think is important is that the human race recognizes that assuming we stay about this strong or get stronger, in this new found position of strength, that we have an input to all of nature's systems. So we have to recognize that that will be the case in 100, 200, 500, and 1,000 years. And we're the first three generations alive to realise that potency of the human race, and that's why I think we need to outsource it to the specialists and enter global governance in order to do that.
0: Well, that's something we're going to explore in, in another episode. But I think that's sort of given an intro to what we're trying to do. But let's let's see how we got all together. So, Future Net Zero. If you uh, have come across us before, and if you're listening for the first time, we're a, a site, a platform to try and get businesses to walk, work towards this idea of a, a net zero target. And the UK government has set one, and many other countries are setting them. And the idea of, of net zero is controversial itself because some people say you can do it by offsetting planting trees or growing things to use up the, the, the carbon that you've already emitted. Um, and some say you have to do it from really strictly cutting back. Um, but we believe that you know the concept of the site is that to get people together, businesses together, because I kind of believe that we do need to make it a financial way to to get to this. So that's where future net zero is. Angus, let's talk about you and and Alex. So let's talk about that. So I'm a journalist, generally a scumbag. That's what we've seen as purveyor of fake news, (laughs) got this idea that actually the planet could do with a lot better, even though I don't believe in man-made stuff, I definitely believe in man-made destruction of the planet. So the concept is to try and help to create a pathway to net zero by spreading communication about it. You're a banker, mate, who's made millions, billions. I'm gonna pontificate now anyway. But, you know, your classic pathway of evil. How can you suddenly want to save the planet now, Angus? (laughs)
1: Thanks, Sumit, for that excellent description. You're absolutely right. I I was born in Australia and my father was a diplomat, so I grew up all over. But I ended up, like many young Australians, arriving in London at at age 21. And uh, I got a job as a stockbroker. Mate, you should have got a job in
0: a bar. In, I, in- I, should have, <laughs> uh,
1: I think it was the white horse at Parsons Green was oh, where yes. most Australians <laughs> ended up. But, but somehow someone employed me in the city and uh, it was the most wonderful 20 years. Uh, I was so fortunate to be in this booming financial centre that was London as capitalism really went took off globally. And to be able to watch it on your screen was very exciting. Um... But I think that it's not in any way incongruous to have any person from any work, walk of life care about um, the planet. And because, of course, we are part of the biosphere. Just by the definition of our, the fact that we are animals, you know, and we're made up of, of living matter means that we are part of the biosphere and the biosphere is part of us. So in order for the whole of humanity to lighten the load and to protect the earth, um, everyone's got to be involved at the end of the day anyway. So, yeah, journalist, banker, or oil and gas specialist, um, we're all in.
0: (laughs) Okay, hang on a second. You just said it was exciting. Capitalism. There'll be people going, what the hell? How can you, you've, you've just raped the planet for 20 years. How can you now talk about trying to save it?
1: No, I suppose that's good. I mean, I, 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 you know, really good point. Um, I think, you know, when you start off in the city, you know, I was, I was 21. I'm not making an excuse. I'm no, really,
0: no, no, no. There's no ju- a judgment but, call here. But, no,
1: no, but it, it's it it. isn't it, the perception of bankers. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, let's get statistical for a second. For the last two hundred years, in the United States or the UK, bank uh, the financial services sector was about four percent of GDP. And that sort of makes sense, right? You've got your industrialists, your doctors, your social care workers, your doc, you know your nurses, yeah, your civil servants, your army, and four yeah. percent of people and and effort. Go into allocating capital. Sort of makes sense. But in the last 30 to 40 years, that has jumped to 8%. Wow. And with the wealth gap and the salaries that the bankers are known for, and the hedge funds and the asset managers, you're quite right that a lot of people's noses have been put out of joint. And the classic ratio is: you know, what does someone at Goldman Sachs get paid? Yeah, relative to your top doctor. Yeah, and it used to be one times, you know, a doctor would be on let's say a hundred thousand pounds, and a Goldman Sachs banker or an asset management uh, fund manager would be on a hundred thousand pounds, and that ratio has changed disproportionately. I think it's going to write itself back um, to something that's far more even, but. I totally get the excesses of the city are within people's crosshairs, uh, but doesn't mean the people that I've met in the city have always cared for the environment and they're humans. It's just that the ruthlessness of capital allocation is, is what they're there for, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, I get that, but I mean, it kind of, I don't know what you, what your view is, Alex, but I mean, you know, we're, we're all very different, right? But we're, I, I think we ought to come clean that we're all roughly the same age, you know, in our fifties. But, you know, I grew up from a, fairly poor East London background parents were Indian immigrants and you know I, the last thing I wanted to do was join the city I, I vomited wearing a suit and of course I you know thought oh all, all business people are bastards that was my basic view for for many years and and fell into the world of of journalism what what's what was your story Alex and how you ended up sort of I mean I suppose you're not really a city person but you're sort of rubbing shoulders with the city aren't you?
2: Um, so I, I, I grew up in South Croydon, wanting to be an engineer, wanting to be British, buy British, and I, yeah, and I had disdain for the financial engineering of the city. Uh, my engineering company, a lot of the jobs were moving from the UK out at that time to uh, Eastern Europe, and I thought, yeah, hey, this was bean counters making this move. This was terrible. Um, as I have progressed and as my fallibilities and my short-termism for my career advancement you know getting onto the housing ladder uh, you know getting through the mortgage that that sort of short-termism uh, you know took over for me uh, and also as I sort of came through I saw the the benefits and the motivating force of capitalism uh, and the lives that it has undoubtedly lifted up um, around the world now, unchecked capitalism with uh, unregulated um, limits you know is, is where the problem is, and you know that's where there needs to be some 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 check and balance uh, so I, I sort of uh, have come from that background and can see the balance between um, you know, a more conscientious capitalism that can create value, lift lives, and then also Give a helping hand up to others as well who haven't been as fortunate as themselves. You know, I won the lottery the day I was born in the UK. Uh, you know, statistically, a white male as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, through through no efforts of my own, that, that sort of kind of gave me a winning lottery ticket with free state schooling, free uh, yeah. healthcare, and yeah. things that you know the rest of the world just looks to. So it's no surprising for me that there's you know, a desire for economic migration to, to come. My point is, as as I looked at my own fallibilities, my own short-termism, how hard it was to change my behaviour for something that I knew was probably good, but it was only when laws changed, when taxes taxes changed, that my behaviour changed. And so in order to fix some of the repair of the destruction that you talked about across the 7.6 billion populace of the world, uh, I think something different needs to be done in order to get a different result from Gaia. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and and because of my fallibilities, you know, everyone you know, has an equal voice, and I'm not saying I've got any new ideas or any great big ideas, but you know, I, I sort of feel it's a, a responsibility to use the, I guess, that establishment position I've got to to lean in as an added voice to the cause to to try and make a difference.
0: I mean. Listening in, people will be thinking, well, frankly, you, you know, I, I worked at the BBC. Yeah, okay, I may have come from a fairly humble background, but I hey, changed my life. I uh, live in a nice, leafy part of North London, run my own business, you know, and, and okay, not in, not in the stratospheric leagues that you guys are, but, you know, definitely got a, a, a lifestyle that's, that's decent. Uh, who am I to, to lecture about saving the planet? Uh, neither of you should be lecturing anyone about saving the planet. So what, what's the point of these bloody podcasts? Alex? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. no, I mean,
1: I, well, I, I think, think the, the, the key the... word there is lecturing. Right, go on then. There's no, there's no lecturing here. Encouraging thought, imagination, uh, resources amongst, you know, everyone to, to respect Gaia more and to... Find a way to ensure that she is that she is in good health um, is is in no way lecturing because you're so right you know we're westerners yeah. we're Londoners you yeah. know, and we all know the stats we all know it's 1.38 billion people in China 1.33 billion people in India 350 million people in Indonesia. And we know that despite the huge increases in people coming out of poverty, that we still have a billion people at less than a dollar a day. So who yeah. are we just to Absolutely. sit here? Absolutely.
0: Who are we to say that, you know what, we should change the world, make it better? You know, yeah. that day my dad got on that boat in 1956 and sailed over here, he changed yeah. my life and the life yeah. of. You know, my sister. You know, our entire family, the next generations.
1: I think maybe I could put forward to the three of us that we are very fortunate that we have the capacity to have this podcast to actually take some time and to express our feelings for Gaia and and to put forward some ideas on how humanity can progress. And just to remind our listeners that you know we're often told and um, by the specialists that no one benefits more from a healthy biosphere, from the continual provision of of stable ecosystem services, than the poor. They are the primary beneficiaries of a healthy planet. And and so, you know, coming to it as a a wealthy Westerner, you know, uh, that's
2: certainly front and centre in my mind.
0: Is this a guilt trip for you two boys?
2: You know these things are multi-causal, right? So I'm, 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 there's, there's probably an element of that, but I, I choose to reframe it as a responsibility. Um, again, through my work, I get to meet a lot of people.
0: You you work sort of with oil and gas people, don't you? Uh,
2: work with you mostly and across the spectrum into utilities and also into sort of the regulatory aspects of government as well.
0: Right. So yeah. if you so for the listeners, we will go again. Well, hang on a second. You're working with. Some of the biggest polluters on the planet right and you come from a privileged background now you're saying i've had a rethink
2: uh, yeah and I, and I think that's sort of part of what it was again that short-termism of my own um sort of managing my own life and my optimism that tomorrow will get solved generally by someone else i i view it as as a as a double opportunity quality of life is is really important and unless people Feel they get benefit and advancement from any change, then they'll resist the change. And, and I did myself. um And so you've got the space to, therefore, have the responsibility to try and make a difference. And the the, the choices now for us as a seven point six billion planet is is different for everyone on that spectrum. And as Angus yeah. says, you know, every every individual has got a different view of where the line in the sand is between a short term life enhancing trip to the sand beach somewhere yeah uh, or, or a business trip or something else versus someone else living with a, an incredibly low carbon footprint as, again the poor have the lowest carbon yeah. footprint uh, and suffer the most from it so but then the poor aren't doing it through any Gaia motivated reason they're doing it through necessity yeah um, you know they would trade places with all of us so it, where, where do you decide where that line in the sand is Uh, And different people have different views of where that is and everyone's got an equal right to the view as a as a member of the planet so to speak so you know what my view is how does society come together to decide where the line is and what is the right balance between quality of life today and longevity of generations tomorrow.
0: For us to now look back having it's that classic thing isn't it having had foreign holidays which were very rare when I was a kid but you know in my 20s and 30s and then through work luckily worked works the BBC you know traveling around we flew loads of places filmed all over the place god knows what my carbon footprint has been over the last few decades and you guys with business probably even more so um are we the ones that shouldn't really be lecturing people now because we've been the most guilty of all or
2: well, we've got the most to pay back
0: <laughs> uh, is that what you're doing then is that what you're doing mate
2: I, th- I think there's a bit of that and you know some of it again is you, know, you just know a lot more as you have been on the planet a lot more you've experienced more cycles and you know i've, I've done things in the past in my youth that i'm not proud about when i look through society through the, the values that we hold dear now
0: yeah we all um, did that on a fr- Friday night mate we're doing it for a yeah. <laughs> so,
2: you don't, so you don't want to go and repeat those and you no, want true. to try and correct them and if you if you can pass on to try and make it a bit better for the, the next generation and hand them something that's continued to advance continue to have the you know the, the benefits that we did out all those dividends that Angus talked about um, then I, you know, I, I sort of feel I'd like to do that um, and, and despite the I, I think our generation will be criticised for speaking up um and and rightly so yeah. and will be criticised for not speaking up and <laughs> rightly so yeah. so i'd rather take the criticism for speaking up and if 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 i make 0.01% of an improvement then then I, you know, I I'd, I'd, I'd gladly take the criticism for doing that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, i well said,
1: Alex. I think again, it's that word lecturing. I think hopefully through. I'm this being
0: podcast, provocative. You know that. I'm, I'm wanna, I know I'm that. that. <laughs> I,
1: I'm, I love it. But I think as our listeners will hopefully hear it through this podcast, this series, is that you know, I think for the three of us, we're just at a point, a time, and place where if you have a, s- a certain amount of knowledge given yeah. to. You, then you feel the responsibility in a very innate way to, to do something about it. Uh, we all have so many variables within our lives, you know, time and place, wealth, opportunity or lack of opportunity, disease or other things. But right now, I think the three of us, um, and I'm sure many of our listeners, are saying, you know, yeah, we've all got to contribute and we've got to leave the, the planet and Gaia in a better place than it is right now for future generations.
0: Well, I think that's a good point for us to end this episode. And in the next episode, we'll have a chat about kind of why we should care. I think we've pretty much uh, f- uh, flagellated ourselves in front of everyone. So, uh, Alex, Angus, thanks very much for for joining me for this one. Uh, we'll all be back for the next episode, which you'll be able to download very soon. Uh, follow us on futurenetzero.com dot com where you'll be able to have this uh, podcast downloaded for free and will be on all the usual uh, podcast stations such as Spotify and Apple. Thanks for listening in to Gaia Says No. We'll see you next time.